it's really weird being on this side of the computer screen. I'm usually the online host, so this is, uh, this is bizarre. <laughs> um, I am a grateful believer. I struggle with depression and borderline personality, or depression 2.0 as we like to call it, um, and my name is Mel. A baby who was never supposed to be was born on November 2nd, 1977. A baby whose birth almost cost her mother her life. That was me. I was the miracle my parents had longed for but never thought that they would have. I was the youngest grandchild and the only child my parents would be able to have. So I was well loved and dare I say a little spoiled. I did pageants as a little girl. I rode horses, played soccer, went to summer camp. I was in dance and gymnastics. I was always on the go and always ready to perform. This desire to perform seemed to be ingrained in me, and it would become both a blessing and a curse as I grew older, but more about that later. My parents started attending church when I was an infant, so church was always part of my life. When I was five, it was missions week at the church we attended, and I listened to the missionary tell amazing stories. After she was finished sharing her tales, she asked if anyone wanted to give their heart to Jesus. I raised my hand. Somehow I knew that this was something important, but I didn't really understand the depth of what I was doing. My memories of young childhood are mostly good ones. My mom was sick a lot, and there was a Christmas when the only thing that I asked for was for my mom to be able to pick me up, but it didn't happen because she had just had surgery. This was the beginning of me feeling like I had to be strong and manage on my own. I know it's just a little thing, but because of my performance-driven mentality, I somehow felt that it was my role to be okay and to not show weakness ever. Something my family did most weekends in the summer was to go camping. I used to love it. We would hook up the trailer and off we would go for a weekend of swimming, bike riding, and spending time with friends. But when I was about 10 years old, something happened in the pool at one of the campgrounds. I was molested in broad daylight in a pool full of people. Somehow I knew it had to be my fault. When he asked if he could see what a strong swimmer I was, I should have said no. But my competitive need to perform self said yes, and I was forever changed. I didn't tell anyone. I couldn't tell anyone. It was my fault, and I felt guilty, dirty, and ashamed. I didn't know how to manage all these things that I was feeling, so I went to the playground, I climbed to the highest point on the play structure, and I contemplated what would happen if I just fell backwards. I was 10 years old, and this was the first time I wondered if the world would be a better place if I just wasn't in it. I never did tell anyone what happened, but I was changed. I began to take some risks. Granted, they were little because I was only 10, but as I grew over the next couple of years, I began to seek the attention of boys. I would do whatever they wanted. This led to getting kicked off the cheerleading squad by allowing a boy to touch me in the library at school. This pattern continued right up until I was an adult. It wasn't only the attention of boys I wanted, though. I wanted to be special to someone. This led to me latching on to someone, usually a teacher or a leader of some kind, and making them the most important person in my life. I would do what I could to make them happy. I would work especially hard in school to get the top marks and earn the admiration of that special person. I would obsess over them, wanting to be just as important to them as they were to me. But the moment they upset me, 
I would move on to the next person and the pattern would begin all over again. To get the attention of these people, I would often hurt myself. I always made sure that it looked like an accident, but I would burn myself, I would cut, and I even tried to dislocate my shoulder once. I also began to starve myself and purge in order to gain the attention of one particular person. My parents were alerted to the fact that I wasn't eating and when I was confronted, I flat out lied and said it was all a misunderstanding. Unfortunately, the starvation and purging pattern was something that would stick with me for a very, very long time. It would rear its ugly head whenever I felt overly stressed, when I felt like I needed to control the situation that was out of control, or that I needed to please someone by being thin and beautiful. As I grew, I felt I needed to have someone special in my life in order to be okay. I was looking to fill a void, not realizing that there was only one who could fill that empty space. When I was 18, I married a tall, dark, handsome man who I thought would be the one, and that he would fill all the empty spaces. He became my everything, and I would do anything to keep him happy. In this quest to keep him happy, I endured physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. I didn't realize how twisted were, things were until years later. I thought it was normal that a wife had a list of things that she had to perform and ways that she had to act in order to keep her husband. After eight years, my worst nightmare came true. I woke up one Saturday as a wife, and by the end of the day, I was a broken little girl who had been kicked out by her husband. I was taken in by a kind family and was grateful to not be out on my own. It wasn't long though and I was on the hunt for someone else who could fill that void. I met a man and convinced myself that I was in love with him. And we moved in and got married a few mo short months later. I became pregnant not long into our marriage. This is when the abuse began. One night, things escalated to the point that I was in fear for my life. I worked up the nerve to show the bruises on my neck to someone that I trusted but then was too afraid of losing him to take her advice and leave. I stayed and I had my beautiful boy Isaac in September of 2006. It wasn't long after this I became pregnant again and my sweet girl Akira was born in February of 2008. At this time I was working as a student nurse in the emergency department here in St. John. I was attending nursing school as well. One night after a long shift I decided I had had enough and I couldn't take it anymore. So I made a plan to drive my car into a light pole on the highway. I did, but thanks to modern technology and the Lord, I walked away virtually unharmed. When I was brought into the emergency room for assessment that night, I told everybody that I had just fallen asleep at the wheel. The good that came from this is that I disclosed the abuse to a coworker as she cleaned my minor scrapes and I began the process of getting out of that marriage. It wasn't just me I had to worry about anymore. It was my sweet kids. We ended up in Hestia House's second stage housing where I would be able to stay until I graduated from nursing school. Unfortunately, the broken pieces inside me were still very broken and I needed something. I just didn't know what. I had virtually turned my back on God at this point and didn't think that I needed him. What had he done for me to this point? Being a single working mom with two kids under two who was in nursing school was exhausting and I didn't have time for God or feelings. I didn't grieve the loss of that relationship or the one prior to it. I was fine, I could do this, no problem. 
I was the en in the end of my second year of nursing school when I took part in a competition. See, I'm always a performer. I met a guy there who was interesting, and we chatted a bit, but I didn't think much more of it. One day, I went for my shift in the emergency room, and guess who was there? The interesting guy from the competition. We continued to talk. Talking turned to dating, dating turned to engagement, and engagement turned to marriage. I thought things were different this time. This guy was nice, and there was not an abusive bone in his body. But I was still looking to fill that empty space, and once again, I thought it would be filled by a man. Things were not bad in this relationship. In fact, we got along well for the first little while. We decided to have a baby, and I was fortunate to get pregnant easily. And my sweet baby boy, Asher, was born in December of 2012, completing our family. But I was not okay. On the outside, you would never know anything was wrong. But on the inside, I was numb. I was disconnected. In 2014, I overdosed, and I ended up on the psych ward for the first time. I was an inpatient for quite some time, but I still thought that I was okay. I didn't need to work on anything because there was nothing wrong with me. Eventually, I was discharged, and I went home to my family. Even though I had turned my back on God at this point, his hand was still on me. He had moved us into a neighborhood with two families who attended King's Church. They invite me, invited me to come along on a Sunday, and I did. I was welcomed with open arms, and I was grateful. It felt good to be back in church, but I still had that deep hole inside. I had been attending King's Church for a little over a year when I heard about a program called Celebrate Recovery. I was still broken inside, and I was searching for something, and I thought this might be it. Perhaps this was a place where I could find healing. I remember walking down to the basement of the church and stepping into the room. That was a long time ago when we were in the basements. I was so nervous and worried, but I knew that this is where I was supposed to be. Adam and Julie made me feel welcome, and everyone was so kind. I began to work on my healing journey, and I eventually joined a step study where I did a deep dive into my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I met women in this group who were like me, but even in the midst of this, Depression kept rearing its ugly head. I had good days, but then I would have dark days where I felt wounded, broken, and absolutely hopeless. But I still kept working away on my recovery. I took many blue chips in order to make it to my one-year coin. And eventually, I became a leader. I have no idea what they were thinking. Being a part of the leadership team, I began to develop close relationships with some of my forever family. In 2017, I began my Master of Nursing in the Nurse Practitioner stream. Completing my Master's was something that I really wanted to do, so much so that I went full steam ahead without stopping to see if this is what God wanted for me at this time. I was still not mentally healthy, and at this point, my marriage was falling apart. I was only about a month into the first semester, and I was in trouble. I remember texting my dear friend, saying that I was at the end of what I could manage. Shortly after that, I had to withdraw from the program. Another went, month, month went by, and I became dependent on this friend. I depended on her to keep me safe, and this was not her job. It was my responsibility, but I was so blinded by my own darkness that I couldn't see what I was doing to her. Fortunately, someone else did see what I was doing and confronted me in a kind but firm way. I went to the hospital and was reluctantly admitted. This was at the end of October. I stayed in the hospital for exactly three days, 
just itching to get out. So I was discharged on my birthday, my 40th birthday, again, not willing to do the work and find that true healing. Things did get a little better for a while, but I was still depending on people and not Jesus to be my strength. In January of 2018, I drove to my friend's house and I asked her to take me to the hospital. On the drive there, I admitted to having taken an overdose. I don't remember getting into the hospital or anything until I woke up and found that she was still by my side. I was not admitted that night, much to the frustration of this friend. This was my rock bottom, but I wasn't sure how I was gonna get up from here. I knew that something needed to change, but I didn't know how and I didn't know what. I thought I would forever be this way. My marriage finally fell apart and we separated in May of 2018. This did not come as a surprise, but it felt like one more thing I had failed at, one more time that I wasn't enough. In August of 2018, I was blessed to be able to attend the CR Summit in California. On August 8, 2018, in a crowd of thousands, I heard a singer named Plum for the first time. She sang a song about being beautifully broken. She says, you're beautifully broken and you can be whole again. Even a million scars doesn't change whose you are. You're worthy, beautifully broken. I've always been ashamed of my physical and emotional scars. I never let anyone see them. But now, someone was telling me that no matter how many there are, it doesn't change the fact that I am a daughter of the king and I am worthy to be loved. I am enough. God grabbed a hold of my heart and years of pain that had calcified that heart into a stone began to be chipped away. Tears streamed down my face and any of y'all that know me know I hate crying. <laughs> as much as I tried to stop them, they continued to flow. I knew that something changed inside me that day. Was this an instant healing and I was cured of my depression? No, but it was a start and it was a step in the right direction. I came back from California, a new creation I had been a Christian for a very long time, but my faith finally went from my head down to my heart, and I began to develop my relationship with Jesus. I was refreshed and renewed, but then I had to come back and face the reality of life as a single mom on an income that didn't quite cover the bills. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This was the anthem of my life at this time. No matter what our need was, God always provided for us. There were times I had no idea how I was gonna put food on the table, but every single time God provided, we never ever went without. In fact, we often had way more than we needed. In June of 2019, I began a new position at work which almost doubled my salary. Once again, Jesus provided for us. All this time, the desire to complete my master's never left me. But this time, I slowed down and I asked God what I should do about it. I felt the nudge to reapply to the program, and to my surprise, I was accepted. It has not been an easy road, but by the grace of God and the incredible support of my forever family and friends, I am now finished the coursework from my master's program and have only my thesis left to write. I am so grateful. In September of 2019, I watched my oldest son Isaac board a plane to go and live with his dad in Ontario. It was one of the hardest things I have ever done, 
but I knew that this was the best decision for him at the time. So I hugged him tight and I let him go. Ironically, the day he left was the very first day of my master's classes. It was as though something was ending and yet God was having a new beginning for me. He's like that, there's always a new beginning for us. As October rolled around, I knew that my mental health was slipping a bit and that my depression was increasing. But this time was different. This time, I didn't isolate myself. This time, I continued to seek out the help of my psychiatrist. And this time, I knew that I needed more help than I could get at home. I made the choice, with the support of my friends and my forever family, to be admitted to hospital so that we could adjust my medications under the supervision of the psychiatric unit. In that time I was in hospital, two very long months, I was able to focus on my recovery, grow in my relationship with Jesus, and heal. Even though some would say I didn't have recovery because I had to go to the hospital, I am here to say I absolutely have recovery because I went to the hospital. I am blessed to have an amazing accountability team and the effort that they went through to visit me and encourage me while I was in hospital made me see in human flesh what the love of God is like. Jesus used these women and men to minister to me in this time of healing and I am so, so thankful for each and every one of you. One thing I have learned is that you were never meant to do this alone. For years, I hid my pain under fake smiles and in pursuit of that special relationship that would be the answer to all my problems. But now, I don't do that. I've learned what it says in James 5, 6. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I know that the only relationship that will ever fully satisfy is my relationship with Jesus. I can truly say that the enemy stole from me all of my life. He came to make sure that I would never be whole. He made me believe the lies that I was broken beyond repair, that I was dirty and that I was used and that no one would ever want me and that I had to do this alone. But Jesus had something else to say. He told me, I am a new creation. He told me, I am washed clean. He told me that I am cherished. He told me, I am a daughter of the King of Kings. And he showed me that I can't do this alone and has given me a forever family who, and friends who are like sisters. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, John 10.10. I am here tonight to say that I have life and I have it to the full. Do I still have the diagnosis of depression? Yes, and I probably always will, but that doesn't mean I can't walk in healing and have a life that is full. To the newcomer, thank you for being brave and stepping through those doors. I remember the first time that I came. It was scary. I want you to know that this is a safe place. This is a place where you can take your first step to recovery. In fact, you already have, you're here. My advice to you is to please not give up. Recovery is a journey that is measured in inches, not feet. Reco um, some days will be easier than others, but the best thing that you can do, come on people, is what? Keep coming back. I've messed up and I've fallen flat on my face, but I came back. I've had to make that long walk to the stage to get yes, yet another blue chip, but I did it. So the blue chip is the surrender chip. It's the beginning of the journey, and I've had to start over many, many times. I've had to make that call to my accountability partner to say that I've slipped. I've been in that seat where you are, not wanting to lift up my head because I felt ashamed. 
but know that there is no shame here. There is only grace and forgiveness. To those of you who have been here, how is your recovery? Have you grown stale? It's easy to feel like we've got it all together, but that's when we get into trouble. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 1 Corinthians 10:12. Are you still in touch with your accountability partner and your sponsor? Are you actively working your steps? Thank you all so much for being here tonight. If I can leave you with a couple of thoughts, remember who you are. You are a child of God, loved, cherished, and washed clean. You are not your past mistakes or tomorrow's mess-ups. In the words of Zach Williams, he lifted me up from the ashes, carried my soul from death to life, bringing me from glory to glory. You are my rescue story. Who is your rescue story? Is it Jesus? Because he's the only one who can rescue you from whatever pit you are trapped in. I'd like to ask you to stand with me tonight, if you don't mind. And I just want you to take a minute and think about who your rescue story is. Is it Jesus? Is he the king of your life? I just want to pray for us. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, I just want to invite you. He is the one who can bring you healing. Even to a messed up, depressed freak like me, he can bring healing and he can bring it to you. So if you would just pray along with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you love me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you are my rescue story. Lord, there's a hole inside of me that only you can fill. And I ask you to come right now and fill me with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that tonight and it was your first time, I'd encourage you to share that with somebody. You can come talk to me afterwards. You can talk to your leader in your group. Um, but please, don't keep it to yourself. And thank you all so very much for listening tonight.